Thanks for coming back to episode 58 of Dauber Prospects Radio. I'm your host, Peter Harling. Go ahead and give me a follow on Twitter at pharling, um, at farling, or you can follow the podcast at dpr underscore show. All right, so episode 58, we are now post-NHL entry draft and post-CHL import draft. I spoke a little bit about uh, this, how the CHL import draft kind of works and how it should be kind of maybe renamed uh, CHL free agency as opposed to uh, anything to do with the draft because it's all really not a draft. It's players are agreed to report to certain teams and NHL uh, affiliated prospects. The NHL teams have an influence on where their players go and, uh, and the agents really control what teams their players will play for. Anyhow, the draft, as it is, happened, and uh, just thought I'd touch base on a couple of players that were picked that I think might be uh, of interest. So the first one I'll talk about is number two overall to Kingston Frontenacs, of course. They took uh, Slovakian forward Martin Kromiak. He is uh, eligible for the 2020 draft, so he's a 16-year-old. He's uh, he's all right for size. He's six foot 179. And uh, I don't really know much about this kid. I've never seen him play, but looking up his stats online, he played in the 1819 uh, Halinka, had uh, two goals and two assists for four points in four games, and recently played in the uh, U18 World Junior Championships, uh, posting three points in seven games. So this is a player I'll be uh, I'll be able to watch firsthand really closely in the next couple seasons here in Kingston. He'll be playing with uh, Shane Wright, so hopefully those two can find some sort of chemistry or. Uh, maybe they can surround them with enough talent that they can split them up on other lines. Uh, the next player I thought I'd mention would be uh, Michael Tepley. He was picked number four overall by the Winnipeg S Ice, sorry, former uh, Kootenai Ice. Uh, so Michael Tepley is uh, recently drafted by Chicago Blackhawks in the 2019 draft. He's a fourth round pick, 105th overall by the Hawks. And uh, all accounts are he may be reporting to uh, Winnipeg for the upcoming season. Another uh, decent-sized player, 6'3", 187, so he's a pretty skilled uh, forward by all accounts. Uh, Winnipeg, by the way, uh, coming off a really tough season over out in Kootenai where they've had a difficult time for, for a long time. They've been a bad team for many years, but they're going ahead and they're they're collecting themselves some, some really nice talent. Uh, they've got Peyton Krebs, obviously, on their roster, uh, who was a first-round pick just recently in Vancouver. Uh, they had their their own Bantam draft where they picked Matt Svoa, even though he was not granted exceptional status. The WHL picks players at 15 years old. And while well, he won't be able to play a full season for them, he'll be able to play a certain a handful number of games. I think it's like nine games or whatever that he can play on the roster uh, just as the way the rules are set and then of course if they have any sort of injuries wink wink nudge nudge then they have to recall players on an emergency basis so Matt Savoy although not granted exceptional status to play in the WHL full-time this season my guess is he'll play a little bit more than nine games and that they might be able to figure something out so then the Winnipeg went ahead and added another prominent player to their roster and Michael Tepley so uh, Winnipeg welcome to the WHL and although Successful teams aren't usually the ones that move. It's always sinking ships. Uh, looks like uh, you guys are off to a really good start, and you'll have some uh, some players to watch and cheer for in your inaugural season in Winnipeg. So that should be exciting. 
Uh, speaking of exciting players, number 19 overall in the import draft, Tim Stutzel, German player, drafted by Seattle. So this is a bit of a roll in the bones on this player kind of a pick. He is one of the top-ranked players for the 2020 draft coming up. Future Considerations has him ranked 6th overall. 5'11", 165, 17-year-old. Um, so what's risky about this pick is he signed to play in the German uh, DEL league uh, with uh, Mannheim next season. The team that owns Mort's Siders rights was where he played last year and may very well play again uh, this coming season. So Mannheim is loading up on on NHL talent. Uh, so the reason why Seattle might have been willing to, to roll the bones on Stutzel is they already have two players that they really like. Uh, last year they drafted... Uh, two players, um, Andre Kukucha and Simon Kobachek. Uh, so Kobachek is uh, is twenty, so he would take up two of their limited spots, an import and an overage player. Uh, but he had a good strong finish to the season last year, and uh, the first player that I mentioned is twenty years old, so he'll be draft eligible this year. So if Stutzel says, "Yeah, man, I'll come, I'll play," uh, that would. F- kind of force Seattle into a, a good dilemma where they have, th- you know, three players that they like. They have to make room for Stutzel, of course. Uh, so that would force them to make a, a difficult decision, um, cut one of these players. Maybe, I don't know if you can trade and import picks. I, I'm pretty sure you can't. Um, yeah, so that would be interesting. Uh, some other players uh, that were drafted that have their NHL rights owned would be 11th overall. Uh, Arthur's Silov's goalie. Vancouver Canucks picked him in, I think, the sixth round. Uh, he was picked up by Barry. Uh, first off, was also picked in the import draft. He was picked by Minnesota. A lot of, a lot of fun to be had with that name. Uh, Maple Leafs picked 204th overall. Callie Lupinen, he was picked 101st overall in the OHL by Sudbury Wolves. And uh, Axel Anderson, who was picked by Moncton. Um, was a 2018 Boston Bruins selection. Uh, so he's a year out of his NHL entry draft and probably has about one year left in uh, CHL eligibility. So that's some things that have been happening in the CHL, the import draft particularly. Uh, things that are happening on Dauber Prospects, by the way, even though it's the offseason, this is really busy time a year for us. Uh, most of our traffic comes through in the summer right around now and leading into the season as y'all out there are doing your uh, fantasy hockey draft preparations. Uh, so some things that I can tell you that are happening on the site right now, you want to check out a couple articles that are that are going. They're a series article. Uh, there's a prospects, PNL, P, sorry, PNHLE organizational rankings thread by Mason Black. Uh, that's pretty great stuff. It's projecting prospects and their upside. Um, we've got uh, develop, uh, sorry, the summer series. Uh, articles start today, July 1st, Happy Canada Day, and uh, if you're listening to this a few days later and you're in the States, um, Happy Independence Day. Uh, so our summer series article uh, is a, an article a day uh, in each of July and August, featuring each team. So Anaheim Ducks are up first both month. Lucas Main has our Anaheim July 31 article up already. It does a, a deep dive review of that team's draft. Focusing, of course, on the uh, more prominent early round prospects. 
It also takes a look at development cam. It usually gives you a full list of invitees, some standouts. Uh, we'll try and get some some video clips on each team's um, page as well, if whatever is available that we can find. And then we wrap up July with the off-season moves by that team. So tomorrow would be July 2nd. You're going to be looking at an Arizona article. Uh, so that's something worth checking out Dauber Prospects for every day. And then in August, we do a little bit more uh, of an organizational update, what prospects are graduating from certain leagues. We update the team's top 10 prospect rankings, all that kind of fun stuff. So that's some things to look at. Uh, some other things you might want to be doing for your draft preparation is looking around and trying to find some draft guides. There's a lot of them out there. Of course, the Dauber Prospects prospect report has uh, Cam did 100 players. Uh, uh, evaluations for the 2019 NHL draft. So if you're curious about who's this guy that was picked late in the second round and whatnot, you can usually find all those players on the Dauber Prospects prospect report. Go ahead and purchase it on the shop page on Dauber Prospects. Uh, some other great ones that I would highly recommend would be Steve Cornianus, the draft analyst. Uh, he, uh, he he has a $5 draft guide. It's only five bucks. It's, it's easy money. Um, Steve's very thorough, very thorough. He goes super deep. Um, and I really value Steve's opinion and his ability to assess players. So I highly recommend that. While it's not necessarily fantasy hockey focused, um, you can still read between the lines and figure out if the things that he's talking about are relevant and translatable to fantasy hockey or not. Uh, another one that I just happened to stumble across on Twitter is uh, a draft guide um, that focuses on the USNDP and USHL players. Uh, by Dylan Finan. Hopefully you can find him on Twitter. If you can't find him, just look at my Twitter feed, at Farling. I retweeted it and promoted it for him. It's a free guide. And the uh, the USHL is a really hard league to to watch. So it was, I thought it was a very valuable resource, uh, especially here in Canada. Same thing goes for the USNDP. Uh, so, yes, make sure you go around and you check out your draft guides and find those as much as possible. So as promised, I have some uh, some more audio clip with interviews from people in the know from the NHL draft. And uh, this episode's interview is going to be with Mr. Craig Button. Craig and I talk about uh, some fantasy-relevant prospects. Uh, he excludes the obvious ones, which would be Hughes and Kako, of course. And he talks about two other players. One I thought was very interesting. Uh, and then I go into, I mean, if you're talking to the director of scouting for TSN and a former NHL GM, you got to talk to him about scouting tips. I hope you enjoyed last episode scouting tips with um, Shane Malloy and Russ Cohn. I thought it was very fascinating and they had all kinds of great information. And Craig gives us uh, a lot more as well here. Uh, we, I also talked to him about Cole Caulfield and if size matters and we both agree it doesn't. Um, but he kind of straightened me out on a point too, where I thought it doesn't really matter, but you still have to be strong. And Button doesn't even really necessarily agree with that. He was saying just as long as you're smart, it doesn't really matter how how big or tall you are. And um, it's a pretty per convincing point. So I encourage you to, to stick to the end and listen to this interview. It's not too long. It's about 10 minutes. And uh, so thanks for signing on to another episode of Dobber Prospects Radio. And uh, enjoy the interview with Craig Button. All right, I'm joined in round four now by TSN's director of scouting, Craig Button. Craig, thanks for coming back on my podcast. Always good to have you on, pal. Yeah, my pleasure. All right. So let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the players that have been picked. Uh, who are some of your guys that, outside of the, the top two picks? Who do you think has the most 
fantasy upside in the short term? Fantasy upside in the short term? Yeah, wow. Man. Well, to have fantasy upside, you have to be in the NHL, tell, right? <laughs> that's a, that, that's not an easy task to have upside when you're uh, when you're that age, and you know most of the players need more time, not less, to get there. So, geez, I really, I mean, uh, I mean, the, if you think Bo Byram is ready to play in the National Hockey League, or Kirby Doc is ready to play in the National Hockey League, they're going into good situations with some good players. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think you have to look further than those two because I think as you move further down and past those guys, it's going to be harder for players to have any type of short-term fantasy impact. Fair enough. All right, so a lot of the people that are listening to this are going to be in fantasy leagues, of course, and considering themselves to be fantasy GMs. They could spend the season watching junior hockey and trying to assess the players that they want on their team. What kind of tips do you have for people who want to learn how to make their own assessments on players? What's important? Well, I mean, I, I think the first thing is is you have to identify what what, what types of skills that a player has and, and that makes them the type of player he is. And then how good are those skills in terms of being the ability to excel? And that's where you get to the various levels of players. So if, if you look at a, if you want an offensive player and he doesn't corral pucks or shoot pucks very well, it's going to be hard for him to create offense if you think he's an offensive player. If, you, if you're taking a... A, a, a player that you want to jump into the attack as a defenseman and he doesn't skate very well, guess what? <laughs> it's going to be hard to jump into the attack. So yeah. I think it comes down to assessing what are a player's attributes, what are his skills, and then, you know, how good are they, and that will determine what the impact will be. All right. So I think a pitfall that a lot of people fall in is they watch junior games, they maybe have season tickets in their town, and they see a player, and he's a prolific scorer at junior. He's got the dangles, he scores multiple point games on a regular basis, and there's a laundry list of players that put up 100-point seasons in their fourth year of junior, and they're just never able to even come close to anything like that or even make the NHL. What are some tells to help them avoid that pitfall? Of, of picking players who don't have transferable to NHL skills. Well, I think you just nailed the transferable skills because yeah. everything you have better transfer to the NHL. All these players that are drafted have all been very good at their at their levels of play wherever it is around the world. So, but there's certain uh, requirements to excel at the NHL. You better be quick. You better be fast. You better have quick hands to be able to navigate through tight areas. You better have a quick mind. You better be able to do things really fast. And Because if you can't do things fast with your hands, with your feet, with your head, with your thinking, you just, I don't care how many points you get. The game is the game is played at such a rapid speed and such a rapid pace that if you don't possess those things, points don't matter. Because if it was only about points, all these teams going, they just they rate players based on points. It's about points are important because that means you're productive. But the productive players that don't, the players that don't make it are, are productive as well. Nobody drafts a four goal scorer and says he's going to be a forty goal scorer. Right. People draft forty goal scorers thinking they're going to be goal scorers in the NHL. But if you if you don't if you don't have the quick hands and the fast speed and the fast mind, it doesn't matter how much you scored previously because it's about the NHL. So two of the attributes that you talked about in there, fast physically and fast mentally, um, it's pretty easy to, to watch a player and see who's fast physically, fast hands, fast feet. It's really difficult for some of the untrained eye to, to identify what makes a player a fast-thinking player. Wayne Gretzky was an easy one. Uh, when you're watching junior, like what are some, some things that, that you could look at to figure that out? Well, I think one of the things is 
for me. And, it, and, and like, you, you know, you watch and everybody has their own idea. And it's not like there's a magic formula for, you know, what it is. Right. But but, but the, the one area that I would suggest is when you sometimes it gets you get focused too much in on what the end result is a player that gets open real quick but doesn't get the pass that's translatable to the NHL just because he didn't get the pass that's not on him but if he got open right and was in the right spot at the right time and you start to think though the NHL that guy will get the puck in that spot just because he didn't get it in that spot today and it, it and there's lots of players that get to the wrong spot really fast. And and, and just because you get someplace really fast but it's the wrong it doesn't matter. Yeah. So when you're when you're looking and you and, and like a, a, a defenseman and what I would say to people a lot of defensemen at the lower levels, you know, they come out of their zone and they're looking to make a play. And if a forward isn't open, now the defenseman has a less option. You might have no option. So now people go, well, he can't make a play or he doesn't make a play, right? Well, maybe that defenseman recognizes it. There was no play to be made. Now you start to think he looked. He looked where there was a play. The, 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 the winger was in the wrong spot. He cut to the wrong spot. Now he couldn't make that play. Now he's got to make a lesser play or no, or just move it out. Those are examples of what, and, and they're just a few examples of the thinking part of the game. Uh, of what I would say, you know, processing the game and understanding it. It's not just about results. Sometimes the results don't ensue at that at the lower levels, but they will at the next level. Interesting. Um, on your last rankings, we talked. You talked a lot about Cole Caulfield, and I, I really liked everything you had to say about him. The nickname Cole Caulfield was, was very clever. Um, so he's a player that is very undersized. It's well documented. I don't really have a problem with players being small, but I do think that they need to be able to survive physically. Uh, Adam Masterson is a great example of that. He's not a tall player, but he's very strong. Um, is that a, a, a true statement? Would you agree with that for the most part? Well, I, I would turn the question back to you. How does a how is it different for a small player to survive physically, and it's not for a bigger player? So the ability to absorb a hit, the ability to avoid well, a hit. Well, okay, so okay, so what does size have to do with avoiding a hit? Well, I think it's easier That's for quickness. a 200-pound player to absorb a hit no, from a 200-pound player. No, then. no player wants to get hit. If you're smart and you're sure. quick with your mind, I just talked about hockey sense. Yeah. So why does Cole Caulfield want to go put himself into a position to get hit? He's never going to beat the 200-pound guy. So he doesn't put himself in those positions. What makes him such an elite goal scorer is he shows up at the right places at the right times, which, by the way, is exactly what good goal scorers have to do, whether you're six foot four or you're five foot four. So Number Brett one. I don't care who. Mike Bossy did it. The best goal scorers show up at the right places at the right times. Number two, they know what the obstacles are, and they overcome the obstacles. They break down the obstacles. They don't engage unnecessarily in battles they can't win. And then number three, they know how to break down a goaltender. So tell me where height comes into that, because it doesn't. Right. Ever. I totally agree, and it makes me shake my head when people still say he's too small. People are listen. Life, and, and I don't care what endeavor you're in or what industry you're in, there's going to be biases. And I think one of the biggest yes. things that you always have to be aware of is what are your own inherent biases that you have? And it doesn't mean that your biases are right. It doesn't mean that they're wrong. But just be aware of them and understand that when you're evaluating or certain things you might. And, but can the player overcome it? So if you have, a, if if you have a, a bias against smaller players, you still have to ask yourself, can that smaller player overcome it? Like, 
can he overcome it? And so you're aware of your bias, but at the same time, you're continuing to evaluate, you know, what the player's assets are so that you don't let the bias rule you. You try to let, you try to understand what that bias is and, and recognize it. It's difficult, but that's yes, one of the is. first things Shane Malloy told me. If you're going to watch players and assess them, know what your own biases are first and try your best to eliminate those out. Well, you don't have to eliminate them. You just have to understand. Manage them. Yeah. Craig, thank you so much for your time. Yeah. I can't, can't thank Anytime, you that yeah. much. I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. All right. Thanks. Enjoy the rest yeah. of the draft. Yeah, I will, yeah.